Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi there, I'm Erin Trenbeth Murray, and we are here today with the We Hear Her podcast for women who succeed. I am so excited today to get to talk to Angela Dunn, Dr. Angela Dunn, which I know everyone listening to this podcast will know her, her name because she has been leading our state um, for some time now in the fight against the pandemic. But in addition to that, she is incredibly gifted and talented, and I want to share a little bit about, about her background. So currently, she is the executive director and the medical director for Salt Lake County's Health Department. And um, before that, we all know that she was serving as the state epidemiologist for the Utah Department of Health. What I have loved to learn about Dr. Brown is that, um, I mean, Dr. Dunn, is that she went to Brown University where she earned a Bachelor of Arts in International Relations, Political Economy and Development, and she received medical degrees, her medical degree from the University of Miami, Miller School of Medicine, and her Master of Public Health from San Diego State University. She completed her residency training in general preventative medicine and public health at the University of California, San Diego. And then after her residency, she provided primary care focusing on women and refugee health at a federally qualified health care center in San Diego, which I had no idea. That just rings so true to me. During that time, Dr. Jen also worked at the San Diego Public Health Department providing specialized care at the HIV and STD and TB clinics. So in addition to that, she is a full-time mom with two sons and um, lives here in Salt Lake. And we're excited to have you here today, Dr. Dunn. Happy to be here. You let me call you Angela. I yeah, assume. of course. <laughs> well, and you've told me that since the first time we talked. Yes. But I was like, oh, Dr. Dunn. And you're like, just call me Angela. Yep. So fun fact, you played a sport at Brown. I did. Yes, I played volleyball at Brown. I yep. love that. Yeah, it feels like it was decades ago. Um, <laughs> it but, feels like decades. I know. Uh, but yeah, volleyball was a really big part of my uh, life, yeah, going into college. Well, tell me, playing at a collegiate level of athletics, what are some of the life lessons that you learned oh, about gosh. being on a team in that kind of um, environment? Yeah. And, and do you think any of those lessons learned helped prepare you for your adult life? 100%. Um, I was also team captain during my senior year and um, being on um, a women's team sport full of 18 to 21 year olds will definitely teach you some leadership <laughs> skills. Um, how to navigate drama and emotions and get everyone on board to achieve a common goal. Uh, that was really, I feel like, the beginning of my leadership development, um, and I often draw on that team experience in, in my daily life um, as now the executive director of the health department. What was your coach like in college? Very even. Um, so her mannerisms, her emotions were all very even-keeled. Mm -hmm. Very rarely did she show a lot of disappointment or anger or even excitement, so she was a very steady force. Um, and I think that that's really important when, again, you're dealing with um, a team that has invested a lot. So naturally, there will be a lot of roller coasters of emotions, but she always provided that steady force for us. Yeah. Do you think 
the, I mean, to be at that level, what an incredible amount of work ethic <laughs> that and discipline, honestly, um, because you're letting others down if you don't do your part. Sure. And so I have such an admiration for anyone who plays high school or college um, sports, but especially when it's a team, a yeah. team sport. Yeah. Um, do you, how, how does that translate maybe to the discipline of going to medical school and the career path you took? Yeah, you know, and as you were talking about kind of being in sports and, and the dedication um, and the work ethic that's needed, I was thinking how it's similar to med school. I felt like, you know, once you're on the train, as long as you stick with it, you'll be okay. And that was like the same with sports and the same with med school. You know, once you get on, as long as you keep going and you keep working hard, um, you will get through it and you will succeed. It's just kind of that ability to, to stick with it, even in the face of adversity or sometimes failure. Mm -hmm. As long as you keep going and, and get back up, um, you'll eventually find success. Uh, so it was the same in med school and sports and, and honestly in my career <laughs> as mm -hmm. well. Um, you know, you find what you love and, and as long as you have the resilience to continue, um, you can have a positive impact. I love that. What do you think your boys, as they, when they get older too, they'll know, they'll m so much more, I'm sure, look at you and go, wow. Like, not just about your leadership with this incredible health crisis, but they're going to look at you there to hear that you are a collegiate athlete, the tenacity of, of medical school, um, your work with refugee um, individuals and um, underserved populations. What do you think some of those attributes, when they look at you, they're going to be like, my mom is what? What do you think they would finish that? My mom. I supportive, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and that could be for me as a mother to them, really um, helping them find what they love and, and support them in that um, kind of adventure in life, but also supportive to our communities that need us most, um, supportive of um, whatever crisis is at hand, um, being able to help others through it. Um, I just think in all of my roles, um, I constantly play that kind of supportive role of others. Um, and it was the same in sports, mm -hmm. right? It was never, it, it can't be a selfish thing. You always have to think about how you are helping others be the best that they can be. Um, so that's, that's what I hope they see. I love that. What are they like? What are their characteristics like? Oh my gosh, so different. I mean, kids just come out a certain way. Yeah. So my oldest is nine and he is a performer. He loves having the center of attention. Um, he's got all the confidence in the world that I hope he just maintains throughout adolescence mm -hmm. and adulthood. Um, and he's super creative. I mean, from the time he was a baby, he would find the speaker in the store that was playing music and just be attracted to it. Um, by the time he could walk, if we were on a hike, he would find the highest rock he could climb up on and start singing. So he, he is my confident, creative performer. Um, my five-year-old is my like little bruiser. I mean, he is um, physical and aggressive and more athletic. He can throw a ball better than my nine-year-old. Um, and just trying to keep up with his older brother, I think makes him sure. that way. Um, so he constantly thinks he's older and stronger than he actually is, so. Well, it's so fun to hear you talk about your boys because yeah. I have two sons. Yes. They're all grown now, <laughs> but 
for sure, the differences in them. It's fun to see elements of yourself or your spouse in your children. Yeah. And then some stuff that you're like, I don't know where they got that from. <laughs> exactly. That certainly didn't come from me. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's definitely been a fun ride. So, Well, you know, one of the things of the many things that have impressed me this past, what, we've only known each other maybe six months, yeah. or seven months or so. Um, but you've always been, you know, so responsive and you've been stretched so thin. Um, and I've just been blown away with the bandwidth that you have of trying to know. I don't know any other very few human beings, probably for sure in the healthcare industry, for sure. Um, certainly probably in um uh, the governor's office, but there are very few human beings in the state of Utah that I believe personally have had to go through such stress and anxiety that you've had. I mean, that there were what, <laughs> three point, there's 3.2 million people in Utah yeah. and maybe, you know, a handful of that level. I've worried for you. I don't know. You don't know this. I've thought of you so often since I've gotten to have little glimpses and conversations yeah. with you. Um, we all say, well, how do you manage your stress? Or how do you do, this is at a totally other level. Yeah. And what is, what does this snapshot look like for you? Maybe in 10 years, when you look back on your life and your, your children, sure. your husband, your family, your friends, um, how have you managed this? You know, it is something that you don't really think about when you're in it because you've got so much adrenaline and you just go. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really is about a supportive community, right? I mean, I am so fortunate, one, to have a supportive husband and family, but I mean, my neighbors, my friends, you know, people I don't even know have had an outpouring of support through, throughout this crisis um, that really has kept me going. Um, you know, everything from thank you letters to random flowers um, to, you know, going against, you know, the, the few, but the loud naysayers out there, um, it has been really helpful to just have a supportive team and realize that, you know, you're not in it alone and that people are um, appreciative of the work you're putting in there and you are making a difference. But, you know, I th it's always important. I always try to step back and make sure that it's worth it because it definitely takes a toll on other parts of my life, right? Um, the first, you know, 18 months of the pandemic, I definitely wasn't at home a lot, right? My husband had to do homeschooling when schools were mm. closed and he has a full-time job. Um, I, I've definitely missed a lot of um, time with my family. And so it's important to say, you know, well, is it worth it? Um, is it worth me personally missing all of, all of those moments in life and putting that stress on my family? Um, so that's a, a constant que question I have, but, but life is definitely more in balance now um, but for those kind of first 12, 12 to 18 months, it was certainly a challenge. Um, and hopefully, hopefully it was worth it. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it was a short period of time. Um, so hopefully it made a difference. But such a critical, short, but critical for so many lives and human beings, right? Yeah. Like how do you, you can't even put a, you can't put quantitative. It's just in my neighborhood, there are numerous signs that say we support Dr. Dunn. Yeah, and it makes warms my heart when I drive yeah. home and see and see those signs up. You know, one of the things that kind of has struck me, you said you talked about um, as you've been talking today. I kept hearing themes of community. Sure, both with your work when you bef 
before you came to Utah, what you hoped your children would see, like that clearly is a value of yours, a very community-oriented individual, right, versus yeah. an independent of what's in it for me. Sure. Has it been hard for you to see the community? I'm sure it has this, but I'm just like, how difficult must that be? When you're messaging, 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 and you're showing the sci science, and you're describing how to protect each other from a very communal perspective, mm -hmm. and then those that choose not to do that, whether it's not wearing masks, or not being vaccinated, or not following other precautions, the distance, like, what is that like to you personally? Because you're the one pushing out the message. Um, you know, it's it's up to public health to meet people where they're at and try to understand their point of view. Um, and so I honestly try to figure out um, for those individuals that are more intrinsically motivated and self-motivated, how to show them what's in it for them, whether it's, um, you know, being able to go to more concerts or, mm -hmm. um, making sure that um, you know their restaurants are open, that their favorite restaurants are open, or whatever drives them is really trying to figure out what makes people tick um, and meet them where they're at that way. Um, and it's, it's definitely been harder throughout this pandemic because you're trying to stop the bleeding, right? Which means mask wearing, social distancing, um, mandated closures of some kind of mass events back in the beginning and now vaccination. And so you're, you're really trying to get all the low hanging fruit of people who will do that without um, much resistance at first so that you can save as many lives. But now we're in the fortunate part of really trying to reach out to the people that have been more resistant and trying to figure out, well, what could help, like, where can we meet in the middle, right? Um, yeah. and, and if it's not vaccine, how can I make sure that you get tested when you're symptomatic and you don't infect other people, those types of things. Um, but that's a challenging aspect of public health no matter what, right? Right, um, right. And I think it's the fun part, right? Uh, why would you want to be surrounded by people that think exactly like you all the time? Uh, it's more fun to have differences of opinion as long as it's respectful and we can have conversations. I, I appreciate that. I love that. That's really um, humbling for me um, to be, you know, and, and grounding for me to think about, yeah, not everybody thinks the same way. Not everybody has the same values. So where can we meet them where they're at? Where, what is motivating for them as an as an individual or as a community right um and so i love i really i really appreciate that perspective when you were at the state um and you were on when we had the news conferences so regularly in the beginning and then all of a sudden you're basically like a rock star <laughs> like now everyone knows yes. that we have a state epidemiologist. <laughs> yeah, they can pronounce epidemiologist. Right, did anyone know that before the pandemic? <laughs> no. I'm not sure. But when you came on and the governor came on, like we, I would be like, shh, shh I need to hear, I need to listen. What was that like to go to instant um, um, notoriety, I guess? I guess, I mean, I was so in the moment of responding that I didn't really realize it. I have to tell you that when when this all started, we were in a room similar like this, right? There was only a handful of cameramen um, and most reporters were virtual. Um, and I didn't understand that that one camera was being broadcast like on all channels. Uh -huh. I thought that they were just taking snippets of it and putting it on the nightly news oh, no. for like several months. I, it was, I, it blew my mind when I understood <laughs> what actually happened every day. Um, so I really didn't have awareness of that. Um, and well, you had better things to worry about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, but I, um, you know, I, I'm happy to play that role. I think 
clearly my role throughout the pandemic was just making sure people had the best information yeah. to keep themselves and their families safe, right? Um, and and that's great, but um, it's not my goal. And it would be <laughs> it would be great to be able to you know go grocery shopping and not worry about somebody overhearing me or someone understanding right. that who I am. Um, just because it's nice to have some anonymity um but we're getting there that's why you didn't fine. choose a life in film you didn't want to I be mean, honestly <laughs> you and angelina jolie you know you're oh, just yeah. like what should i my, be my should moment I be a state epidemiologist or should i be a glamorous movie <laughs> my, star my my moment of people knowing who i am will certainly fade into the background <laughs> and i look forward to that moment but in the meantime if people still need to know kind of what's going on with the pandemic and how to keep themselves safe i'm, I'm happy to provide that <laughs> so to tell me um, what was, I'm curious if you feel like sharing, your transition from the state to the county. Like what was the decision? I was oh, like, sure. oh, she's gotta be exhausted. But um, then the county is no no easy picnic either. It's true. Um, so that happened in about early summer or spring of 2021. Um, and we were actually, that was when we were like at a low in mm -hmm. COVID. And we're like, oh, pandemic's over. I know, and <laughs> vaccines were available and we were so excited. Um, but I had reached my end of um, effectiveness at the state. Um, I was no longer to able to influence the direction of not only the pandemic, but where the health department was going. Mm. Um, and so I felt that, um, you know, once you're not able to um, influence change or influence mm -hmm. um, where things are going, I felt like my skill set would be better served elsewhere. Um, and the the County Health Department is so fun because it's really, I mean, obviously it's more local mm -hmm. um, and it's such a smaller ship to turn that we can really create interventions really, really quickly and see those results more quickly. Um, so being able to have a targeted uh, impact on our, our most under-resourced communities has been super fun. Um, and, and it's such a dedicated and wonderful team, just like the state, but being able to have kind of more of that direct impact has yeah. been fun. I and and um, yeah, I love the idea of like narrowing that focus yeah. to see the needle move. Sure. It's, yeah. it's great. I mean, I, I loved the ability to have kind of more of that global impact at the state. Mm -hmm. um, it's just different. Right. And so I, I I worked at the federal level for a little bit, the state level mm -hmm. and now the local level and having all perspectives, I think, um, allows me to be more effective in my position because we're all partners in this and we all have different roles. Um, but yeah, so I guess my time had come, right? And so yeah. when you when you sense that, it's important to look for a new adventure and a new way to have an impact. So that reminds me, my mom, who was my ultimate role model, and when she was retiring and she was getting all these offers and she was trying to make decisions, and then she just decided, you know, no, I'm going to be, I think I'm done. And I was like, but mom, you're you're at the top of your game. Like, why would you why would you retire now? Yeah. And she said, oh, honey, a lady always knows when to leave a party. <laughs> that I love it. And that's so true, right? Mm -hmm. um, never you just knew it was your time. Yeah, like, you never want to like, overstay your welcome. <laughs> yeah, and you knew that you're like, I can take my skill set, I can take my education, I can take every life lesson I've learned at a federal and state level, and now I can apply it in a local area and community and really target underserved populations, which... Um, you've done a phenomenal job at, and I know you were just honored by the NAACP yeah. recently, and great. that was great to see you acknowledged for, yeah. for your work. But, well, 
I know you hear it a thousand times a day. I hope you do. <laughs> I want to tell you personally, thank you so much for protecting me and my family and my friends. I really believe that your voice, I loved the leadership of a being a female in our state. Yeah. Um, truly, I don't want to use the word remarkable, but um, inspiring. Good. So inspiring to have a female in that role at such a crisis to convey a level head, much like your coach in college yeah. and that even keel to be both reassuring as well as guiding. So thank you so much for doing that for me. Happy to do it. Is there anything you'd like to share with any of the young women of the state or anyone that, or the women listening to the podcast before we kind of wrap up today? Gosh, I mean, it's interesting that you say that, like seeing a woman leading this in the state, right? I'm not, I'm not from Utah, Utah, not yet. I've been here for eight years now, so maybe soon I'll, I'll claim it. <laughs> Um, but I didn't really realize that until I was in the middle of it and um, how rare that was. And walking into these big decision-making rooms where they were full of like middle-aged white males in suits and I was the only female. And I, I just want to impress upon all the women out there to help build each other up so that we all have confidence to sit at that table. And um, it really is important that we boost other women to be in those roles and to give each other that confidence to say, no, say your opinion. No, I, I believe in you and you deserve to be at that table. Um, and that's something that I'm trying to be very conscientious of now because, um, you know, I, I was raised with that confidence. And so I feel very fortunate in that, but I definitely have colleagues who don't feel, um, like they deserve to be at the table because they were raised a different way. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's up to all of us to, to boost each other up, um, so, well, yeah. and it goes back to those diverse perspectives. It just, so it important. just is so important. So important. Yeah. So important. Um, and our world will be better if more women speak up and are at the decision-making table, for sure. What more can be said <laughs> that it was so perfect. Um, truly my pleasure today to get to speak with Dr. Angela Dunn with the We Hear Her podcast. We look forward to having you again next time for the Women Who Succeed um, podcast, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.